It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, coming to you courtesy of CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network, which has 24-7 live coverage of sports and costs you absolutely nothing, 100% free at all times, loaded with the things that I always look for in sports coverage, highlights, breaking news, fantasy advice, gambling picks, although I don't know that they're going to be as good as my brother Craig's, but still useful, and quality analysis. All those things are first rate on the CBS Sports HQ, and they're not something that you get very often from a lot of these big-time sports personalities, <laughs> Skip Bayless. And the best part is, not only is it completely free, 24-7, it doesn't even require a subscription or a login. You just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, and any other connected device at any time to watch CBS Sports HQ. No fake debates, just sports for real sports fans, just like you get here on Play Like a Jet, at the great price of absolutely nothing. You don't even have to log in or sign up for anything. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. It's Thursday, so it's a day late because of the fact that we had the Monday night game, so we pushed everything back a day. And that means we've got midweek with Manish, Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News. Hey, Manish, it's been a weird couple of days, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a weird couple of days, starting with a weird night. Uh, not anything that I expected, but uh, here we are at 1 and 5. Any truth to the rumor that you two have been seeing ghosts? <laughs> I think I've seen my fair share of Sixth Sense uh, memes and... and uh, things on the internet about seeing dead people so uh it's unfortunate for the organization you know I, you know, people have been asking me over the last couple of days uh why it's such a big deal if uh you know seeing ghosts is indeed a common phrase used by players and you know my response has always been the same it's uh, not because of necessarily what sam darnold said or the fact that sam darnold said it i, I would have felt the same way in terms of the team being right in their anger uh, because there is a shared understanding between NFL films who mics up the player and teams to not paint a particular player uh, in an unflattering light. Uh, you know, the, the actual phrase seeing ghosts is used throughout the league, and there are a lot more inflammatory, controversial things said on sidelines, but, but teams uh, you know, volunteer to have a specific player mic'd up uh, for games knowing or at least thinking that NFL Films is going to take care of them. And this isn't the New York Daily News miking up uh, Sam Darnold or Turn on the Jets podcast miking up Sam Darnold. This is the NFL miking up uh, one of its own in, in, in that respect. So uh, the fact that that phrase got out there and 
uh, obviously people have been taking their fair share of shots at Sam Darnold is unfortunate. Uh, I don't think there's any kind of real lingering effect. It makes for interesting discussion and, and debate as to whether you know teams should agree to be mic'd up or whether it even matters because as fans and as reporters, uh, it is interesting. But, uh, but again, a, a team goes into a game thinking that, you know, there's going to be some, you know, some lighthearted conversations, uh, some, some interplay that, that isn't necessarily controversial being aired. Uh, because if they thought that there would be some controversial comments or things that could you know, make their own players look bad, uh, I'm sure they wouldn't agree to it. Uh, because, uh, you know, there is a, an agreement that every, and I'm not sure fans know this, but there is an agreement that every team has to have their coach and their uh, quarterback mic'd up at, at some point during the season. Now, if you have a player or a coach mic'd up on a Sunday afternoon at 1 or 4, uh, that stuff doesn't get turned around in-game. Uh, you usually have a, a day or so before NFL Films puts together some kind of package for maybe one of their programs. So teams do have more of an opportunity to kind of vet the process, whereas in these primetime games, uh, the turnaround is at some point during the game. Uh, the Jets had actually agreed to having Sam Darnold being mic'd up for that Sunday night game against Cleveland before he got sick. And my understanding is that they were you know, embracing the idea of having Darnold uh, in this game, but there is a danger because there is no Jet official who signs off on anything that gets aired in game uh, that goes through NFL films NFL films kind of does that first vetting process and gives a pool of clips to ESPN in this case and then ESPN gets to decide obviously ESPN wouldn't turn down you know having a quarterback saying that he's seeing ghosts so you know I think that the angst and the anger that the team has is toward NFL films and, and not really ESPN I sort of understand it, but at the same time, if you're going to agree to let a player be mic'd up, that's something that you're going to have to reckon with because anything that gets said is potentially fair game. And even if you think that NFL Films is going to stop something that they may not deem something embarrassing that you do, for example, this seeing ghost comment, as Brett Favre said, I really don't think this is a big deal. Kurt Warner said that as well because... Every quarterback who's ever played has seen ghosts, and especially against this Patriots defense, as Dan Arlovsky was saying, you'd have seen ghosts too. But I do think that once the Jets consented to have Sam Darnold mic'd up, at that point, they had to be expecting just about anything. Because, again, you have no idea what the difference is going to be between what NFL Films deems acceptable and what the Jets deem acceptable. I also think, Manish, and you may agree with me on this, that the Jets are using this as something to deflect from the outrage of the fan base being angry at the 33 to nothing loss against the Patriots. As long as we can keep people talking about this seeing ghost comment and the fact that the Jets think the NFL did them dirty, as Le'Veon Bell said, that's the less that people will talk about how poorly the Jets played on Monday night against the Patriots. Well, to your first point, uh, I was told that people high on the NFL Films totem pole are not happy that this got out. Uh, there's an on-site rep who cleared this particular clip to to give to ESPN to potentially use. So it's not as if NFL Films is particularly pleased with how things unfolded. Uh, uh, you know, that being said, <laughs> there's a reason why I don't particularly care about these mic'd up uh, items because typically you hear a lot of grunting from tackling mm -hmm. and, and a lot of you know, shouting here and there. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Uh, I could do without it in the broadcast. Uh, in terms of deflecting what really matters, I think that's true for one day. It was a big story 
uh, on Tuesday. And I, I think rightfully so. It, it, I, I don't think that this is something that should take away from the fact that the Jets played poorly. And I know that smart Jet fans uh, have also said that, yeah, you know, maybe this is a big deal. Maybe this is not this whole mic'd up situation. But the reality is that our team stunk and was not competitive again. Mm-hmm. And that will be the storyline for uh, this week uh, entering the Jacksonville game. I, I don't believe we're going to be talking about seeing ghosts uh, to the run-up of, to, uh, of kickoff on, on Sunday. I just think that it, it was a newsworthy story for a day, you know, perhaps a day and a half. But uh, you know, the bigger question is, why does this team stink? <laughs> you know, I, I, try to, you know, I, I try to reduce it to simplest terms. Why are they not competitive? They've been non-competitive, whether Sam Darnold was the quarterback or Luke Falk was the quarterback, more times than not this year. And that is the most troubling thing that, uh, that fans should care about and perhaps most importantly, what the Jets coaches and players should care about. Last thing I'll say on this is that when I first broke into radio almost 25 years ago now, wow, time flies, Manish. I was told at that point, never, ever say anything on a live microphone that you don't want other people to hear, even if you don't think other people are listening. So as I said, once you consent to be mic'd up, anything can happen and anything that gets said could end up airing. So I think this is on the Jets, but to me, this is really a non-story. The real story here is what happened during the game, and what happened during the game is the Jets got absolutely embarrassed on national TV in every single way, but especially the offense, because Manish, you and I have talked about this. People have accused some of us of making excuses for Adam Gase. Now, again, I feel like I have to clarify this every single time. I didn't want the Jets to hire Adam Gase. I was furious about it. I still don't like Adam Gase, and he's done nothing to prove to me that he was the right hire and that I was wrong. He took a step in the direction of proving my initial impression of him correct in this game because, Manish, we've talked about how it's unfair to expect him to be able to do much with Luke Falk. Last week, we saw improvement, but that was against the 25th-ranked Dallas Cowboys. This was the number one-ranked New England Patriots, and I understand the New England Patriots are on a historical pace here, and they're potentially one of the greatest defenses of all time. However, if you are an offensive guru, you have got to do better than this. I know you posted a bunch of numbers in terms of what Adam Gase's offense did, not only in this game, but through the season so far, and it's ugly, Manish. It's real ugly. Yeah, by every, uh, virtually every statistical measure, they are the worst offense in football, including Miami, believe it or not. And that's really hard to fathom, given what Miami is trying to do down there. Uh, it's disappointing on a million levels. Uh, the idea of being an offensive guru, I, look, that's out the window. I, I don't care if the Jets rebound, and I suspect that they will rebound in the second half of the season. Adam Gase is a guy with smart ideas. I've been consistent in saying that he is not any kind of genius. He is not an innovator, as Chris Johnson tried to sell to the fan base. He's not coaching football to where it's going. That's you know that's a bunch of you know, team propaganda nonsense. It always was, even though I uh, agreed with the the hire and thought it was a good hire. I, I didn't buy into the notion that he was some sort of innovator. What's particularly disturbing to me, and it has been uh, all season, even. And I know that, Scott, you and I have uh, disagreed on this point, even when Luke Falk was the quarterback. It wasn't that they were losing games. It was that they were getting blown out, and they were non-competitive. They were clearly unprepared. It's it's very difficult for any head coach to admit that his team is unprepared. I don't suspect 
that we're going to hear that from Adam Gase anytime soon. I point blank asked him the other day if he had adequately prepared his team for the Patriots blitz, and he said yes and added a bunch of different qualifiers. Uh, and I've also said this to you before, that you know, excuses are are plentiful. Uh, this week's excuse could be they're playing a, a terrific defense. Uh, a few weeks ago, the excuse was Sam Darnold wasn't playing. Uh, you could find an excuse if they lose next week. I'm sure I'm sure Adam Gates can find an excuse as to you know, why they didn't win if they don't come through uh, in Jacksonville. Uh, the point is that it's very disturbing that they're just not in games. And it's one thing to not be prepared at the outset. Clearly, they were not prepared for the Patriots' blitzes. Uh, but there wasn't any real adjustment. Uh, you know, I saw one change early in that game. Uh, they they had uh, Sam Darnold and shotgun empty, and, and on the on the second play from scrimmage, that first pass that was picked off by McCourty, uh, it was an empty situation. Uh, the right guard and right tackle uh, miscommunicated. Uh, I thought that that first interception might have been on Brian Winters, who helped out Ryan Khalil in a one-on-one matchup that he really didn't need help on, and that allowed uh, that free runner to shoot between uh, Brandon Shell and Winters uh, to get in Sam Darnold's face before that terrible pass. Uh, but other than putting a, a running back in the backfield, I, I don't see any real adjustment in that game that the coaches made. And that falls on Adam Gase. That falls on the offensive line coach, Frank Pollock. Those guys work in tandem. And I know that there was, you know, some rumblings after the game about, well, this offensive line stinks. You've got to get rid of Frank Pollock. I'm not saying that would be the wrong move. I just don't know how you could blame the offensive line coach and absolve the offensive coordinator, in this case, Adam Gase. Both of those guys work hand-in-hand. The offensive line communication was not nearly good enough. Sam Darnold production, performance, mechanics, decision-making, you know, they weren't nearly good enough. This was a team collapse on offense. Uh, the blame goes to Darnold. The blame goes to Adam Gase, the offensive lineman, the offensive line coach, everybody. But ultimately, the man in charge, the man who's getting paid the most uh, out of everyone, you know, including <laughs> including the quarterback, or close to the quarterback at least, is Adam Gase. Uh, he, he needs to take accountability and and needs to fix it. It's easy for you know for me to say he needs to fix it. I know he knows that he needs to fix it, but it's really been an underwhelming start to his Jet tenure, hasn't it? I mean, he's lost five of six games you know, as a head coach. He's now lost eight of his last nine games, dating back to his final days in Miami. It's just not very inspiring. And you know, I, I keep saying the schedule lightens up on paper. It lightens up on paper. It's not a gimme by any stretch in Jacksonville. It's a winnable game, but I could see them losing. But after that. It does seem to lighten up, but if the Jets play anywhere close to the way they played on Monday night, then no no game is a guarantee, even a game against the Dolphins. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. 
Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. This is a truly alarming bunch of numbers from Chase Stewart over at Football Perspective. He says, Adam Gase has coached 55 games in his career. He's lost 24 of them by double digits. He's won 21 of them by 1 to 9 points. Lost 7 of them by 1 to 9 points. And won only 3 of them by double digits. So what this suggests to me is that in a lot of cases, he's got teams that are getting lucky bounces. This reminds me a little bit, if you remember Manish, Geno Smith's rookie season 2013 when the Jets were 8-8. Eight and eight. But if you looked at the games that they won, they barely squeaked by. And if you looked at the games that they lost, they got destroyed, which indicates that a lot of times they're getting lucky against bad teams and against the good teams, they're getting killed, meaning that they're really not even anywhere close to as good as the 8-8 eight eight record and they are due for a regression. And that is what happened the following year when they went 4-12. and Adam Gase is on a dangerous path here and hopefully he and the Jets can turn this thing around. Although I would imagine at this point, Manish, they have to be thinking that as the trade deadline approaches and we've already seen a bunch of trades happen with other teams, they are going to be sellers because Joe Douglas needs those draft picks to completely remake the roster from the bottom up. Do we have any update as far as who may be available? I know last week we talked obviously about Leonard Williams and you mentioned Marcus May and Jordan Jenkins. Robbie Anderson is a name that people are throwing out there now. Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report has talked about how he's heard in league circles that teams are calling about him. What are the possibilities that we should expect heading into the trade deadline? Do you think the Jets are going to be sellers, especially coming off of that brutal beating by the New England Patriots? Do they realize that this is not their year and maybe they're going to try and recoup some draft picks and move forward starting with the draft and free agency next season? Well, they want to be sellers. Uh, they've wanted to be sellers now for weeks. Uh, you know, I don't know if a win against the, the Patriots would have uh, really changed people's minds in the building. You know, obviously, Adam Gase and Greg Williams want to keep you know all the players that they can, who they believe can make some kind of contribution. But if you look at it from a big picture perspective, uh, you know, as, as the general manager, Joe, Joe Douglas really does need to try to sell off as much as he can for as, as much as he can get back. Uh, you, you, you know, don't want to be reckless because uh, some of these guys like Jordan Jenkins and uh, Leonard Williams will, in all likelihood, help, help you get a compensatory pick, but that won't be until 2021. So if you need help in 2020, as the Jets clearly do, and need some draft capital, uh, you're going to have to move some of these guys before, uh, before the, uh, the Tuesday deadline. 
I, I don't know what they can get for Leonard Williams. Uh, they're, they're obviously holding out hope that they can get a three and, and a day three pick. That would make the most sense. If it comes down to getting something a little bit less, is it worth doing that to get some help in 2020 versus waiting on a 2021 pick? Maybe. Uh, you know, if I'm Joe Douglas, I probably, as you said, would want as much capital as I can get for this upcoming draft versus the one after that. But Joe Douglas did sign a six-year deal, so he's not going anywhere anytime soon. So perhaps that 2021 compensatory pick will be enough for him. Uh, you know, Jordan Jenkins is an interesting name. I, I'm not sure what his value is. Robbie Anderson uh, has garnered interest now for, for weeks, and the Jets have told teams for a, a while now that he can be had for the right price. Uh, conversations like that have happened, uh, you know, with a lot of players on the roster. Some are more realistic than others. You know, the Jets would obviously like to uh, move on from Kalechi Assembly, Tremaine Johnson. Uh, that's just not realistic. So it's an interesting time of year because names are thrown around uh, in conversations all the time with a lot of different teams. And, you know, some guys are realistic. Some guys are, are, are not realistic. But, you know, if you're a guy like Joe Douglas, why not? To, you know, ask a team that needs a corner, for example, if they're interested in Tremaine Johnson. Obviously, it's not going to happen, but uh, it doesn't hurt to ask. Uh, Robbie Anderson is, you know, is a is a good player. Uh, is he worth what he believes he's worth uh, in free agency? Because he is going to be a free agent if the Jets could keep him on the cheap. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure they would do that. But uh, you know, they have made it abundantly clear that if you want him, you can have him. Just you know, let's let's talk about a price. And what I can't tell you is what the right price is for the Jets, but I do know that they would be willing to move him if they got something they thought was satisfactory. Since you mentioned Coleccio Semele, do we have an update on that whole situation? Well, now, Joe, uh, sorry, Adam Gates isn't publicly discussing it, or he hasn't publicly discussed it uh, in the early part of the week. Uh, well, it was a little disappointing because this is a player who he praised repeatedly through the offseason, you know, talked about his toughness and, and, and talked about you know, kind, of, kind of how he enjoys the violent nature of the way that Osemele plays. That violent nature, unfortunately, has led to injury and subsequent pain. But the, the next step, uh, because he was fined for not practicing last weekend, is to file a grievance. And, and that's, you know, once you file that grievance, that's when the, the NFL Players Association investigates and, and decides whether to get involved or not. You know, there's a lot of discussion last week about, well, the NFLPA hasn't really chimed in. Well, they had nothing to really chime in on because at the time, Osemele had not been fined. There had been no grievance filed. Uh, I, I have said since this, this broke late last week that I always, in situations like this, side with the player. When a player says he's in pain, I don't doubt him. Now, could he play through that pain? If he was incentivized, i.e. had a starting job playing for a winning team, perhaps. But I can't get in Osemele's head. Uh, the Jets can't get in Osemele's head. They can only take him at his word, uh, given the fact that he does have a partially torn rotator cuff. And my understanding is that the Jet doctors believe that the injury isn't serious enough so that he could practice and play and hold off the surgery until the end of the season. However, the second opinion from an independent doctor uh, was a little bit more detailed in that, yes, surgery could theoretically be held off until after the season, but surgery is really predicated on his symptoms. 
if he feels like he can practice, and by all means, practice and play and have a surgery in January. However, uh, that second opinion from the doctor included this caveat, and it's a very important caveat, which is that if he does, in fact, feel pain and feels like he cannot perform without being in pain, that he should have the surgery now. So there is a gray area. You're trusting the player here. You're trusting him when he's saying that he's trying, but he can't really perform because he's in pain. And again, nobody can get in his head. Maybe he's fooling everybody. Maybe he's not in enough pain uh, to warrant the surgery right now. He's going to have the surgery, but maybe he doesn't need it right now. But because he was benched uh, and because you know he is in some pain, clearly the Jets gave him pain medication uh, for each of the first three games. Because of those factors, maybe he thinks, hey, you know what? I'm not going to play. I want to get right for after the season because the Jets are clearly going to cut me, so let me have the surgery now. Maybe that's what he's doing. I'm not saying that's not what he's doing. But what I'm saying is that it's a very dangerous path to go down when you don't believe a player who says he's in pain given uh, the nature of player safety and the landscape of all of that in today's NFL. Since you mentioned the injury in general, what's going on with the rest of the players on the team who have been hurt? I know Henry Anderson was week to week. We saw that C.J. Mosley was pulled out of the game, so I'm not sure what's going to happen with him in Jacksonville. What do we know about the injury situation? Mosley, to me, is the biggest one. Uh, Yeah, he played. He didn't look anything like the C.J. Mosley that I know, that's for sure. And I think you saw that right off the bat uh, on that uh, Sony Michelle touchdown run to cap the first drive of the game. Uh, C.J. Mosley was hobbling in pursuit. He didn't look anything like full strength to me. And you know, he, he admitted after the game that you know he was fighting through some things. Uh, he didn't declare himself 100% because obviously he wasn't. Anybody can see that. And he was pulled, uh, I think, for the last 14, 15 snaps of that game because he was out of reach. That was the, the, the smart play, obviously. Uh, now he's sore right now. We'll see if he takes a couple days off in practice. Uh, I suspect that that might be the case, but I don't think you want to trot him out there if, he, if he's going to be like he was uh, against the Patriots because then you're going to have this lingering issue of soreness and potential setback for the remainder of the season. I, I think you got to shut him down. I don't know if the Jets are going to do that, but I think you got to shut him down until he's healthier. And, and I, that's probably an annoying proposition for the player and for the team, but how much is he really going to help you? I know from a mental standpoint, he can clearly help you pre-snap and post-snap, but uh, – but if he's not running around out there uh, you know, at full capacity, uh, I mean, I'm not sure how much of an asset he can truly be. Uh, in terms of the other injuries, Henry Anderson's going to try to practice uh, at some point. I believe he'll be limited for different portions of this week. He's dealing with that sprained AC joint that he suffered uh, on that first drive in Philly. Uh, Chris Herndon's going to try to practice at some point uh, with that hamstring. Again, with him, much like Mosley, you want to make sure he's 100%. When you're dealing with a hamstring uh, for a pass catcher, it's dangerous if you bring him back too soon. I think the Jets have been taking the right path with him to this point. I, I just wouldn't like to see them rush him now because they feel like perhaps they need him since the offense is struggling so much. Uh, those, those are the headliners. Trent Cannon's uh, getting his foot checked out. That's been a, a, an issue now for for a while. But in terms of you know impact players, guys that you really need, Henry Anderson, C.J. Mosley, you know, those guys and Chris Herndon, I mean, those guys will kind of be wait-and-see mode until Sunday. Uh, but I would keep an eye on Mosley. That's the guy that you really can't afford 
to be reckless with. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Manish, any other news going on around the team that we haven't hit on yet? Well, you know, outside of the fact that you know, Sam Darnold needs to rebound and, and play much better than he did, I, I don't think there's anything you know, other than that that really we should keep a, a, a close eye on outside of the Mosley injury, of course. Uh, you know, I'm curious to see how he responds. I think he'll respond well. You know, If you just look at his history, you know, dating back to even college, he had a couple rough patches in 2016. We had back-to-back multi-interception games the only time that year, and he bounced back with a couple great performances, including that Rose Bowl performance, uh, five touchdowns. And then in his final year in college, he had a terrible game against Washington State in a loss, no touchdowns, a pick, barely completed, you know, 50 or so percent of his passes. And then he responded with back-to-back three touchdowns, uh, I believe no turnover games. And even last year, uh, that disaster in Week 9 in Miami, uh, he was banged up. He had that four interception game. He responded by, you know, being one of the best quarterbacks. To be honest with you, in that final four or five week stretch, he didn't play well in the week seventeen game in Foxborough. But outside of that, he was terrific. So he has been a resilient player. I don't believe that one horrible performance on national television is going to scar this guy. I think he's got the you know, the mental fortitude. I think he's got a strong constitution uh, to to kind of put that aside. Uh, understand. Know, what that game was, uh, I have been telling people that Bill Belichick unwittingly did uh, Donald and the Jets a favor uh, by you know exposing their young quarterback to a lot of things that you know, he had not seen. And I think through that confusion from that night, he'll come out uh, on the other end better for it, uh, only because I, I believe in the player. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that if this was a guy who didn't show promise. I mean, all you have to do is look back. The week before, he was AFC Offensive Player of the Week, for God's sake. So he's got a ton of ability, uh, and I think he's a mentally strong guy. And because of that, I think you're going to see him play well uh, over the remainder of the season. I I don't believe that this is going to start some kind of spiral downward for him. I want to get into the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars in just a second. But first, you said that you don't think this is going to be a downward spiral for Sam Darnold. But what about the rest of the team? Because they're now 1-5. If they lose to the Jaguars, they would be 1-6. Getting back to Gase a little bit here, this is the spot where if a coach isn't careful, he could lose the locker room. Even though there are a lot of very winnable games on the schedule, as you pointed out, the soft part of the schedule really starts after the Jaguars because the Jaguars are better than a lot of people thought they would be. If you're 1-6 and these guys aren't getting up for the coach anymore, the season itself could spiral, couldn't it? It could. It is a, a watershed moment in many respects for Gase. This isn't a, a, a layup at all. There's a reason why the Jets are four-point underdogs. I know they're on the road, so this is a winnable game. Uh, it's not a game that I can guarantee that they'll win, but it is a winnable game. It certainly helps that Jalen Ramsey is no longer part of the equation. So uh, you would hope that this Jet offense that has averaged 11 points a game with Sam Darnold, by the way, uh, can get off the ground here. It starts up front. We'll see if 
Uh, Kelvin Beecham, you know, I actually forgot Kelvin Beecham when we were discussing the injuries. Uh, I think uh, that it, it probably will be a long shot for him to play. Uh, we'll, we'll see. He's got a high pain threshold, but he's dealing with that ankle injury, which I believe is a high ankle sprain. Uh, if it's not, then it's a, you know, a severe low ankle sprain. So it's going to take you know, uh, a good bit of rehab uh, for him to be out there. And even if he is out there, I don't know, you know, at what strength he'll be. So, uh, you know, for argument's sake, if he doesn't play a second consecutive game, you're dealing with Juma and Doga again playing uh, left tackle and then Brandon Shell back on the right side. So, you know, with that offensive line configuration, nothing is a guarantee. Nothing is easy. So, uh, you know, to your original point about losing a locker room, it's certainly possible. Uh, that things, uh, you know, could get a, a little bit dicey if they don't win in Jacksonville. I know that there is some doubt in the building, including in that locker room right now when it comes to Adam Gase. I don't want to say there's any kind of mutiny because that would be an unfair characterization. Uh, but, uh, you know, I would also say that it is not true that everyone is on on board with, with Adam Gase right now. And that's understandable. They're losing games and they're not competitive. You, you, you outlined the numbers getting blown out uh, you know, week after week, it seems. So there is some doubt when it comes to Adam Gates in that locker room. But uh, I, I don't think it's any kind of full-blown uh, fracture uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But if they lose in Jacksonville, it really then the pressure point becomes that Miami game. Because I really do believe that if they lost in Jacksonville and if they somehow lost to the Miami Dolphins, then I think things could fall apart. And I think things would fall apart, frankly, if they started off one in seven, uh, losing these next two games. Uh, I don't think they'll lose to Miami, but I've been wrong before, so who knows. I want to talk about the offensive line because obviously they're going to be a key factor in whether or not the Jets are going to be able to get the job done against the Jaguars on Sunday. And if you believe that the Jets are going to be able to get the job done, then you should make a wager on them over at mybookie.ag because if you sign up and use the promo code OVERTIME, They'll match your first deposit. That's right. If you sign up using the promo code OVERTIME, they will double your first deposit. You can bet on the Jets or against the Jets, whatever you're feeling this week. Bet on the rest of the games around the league. Get in on some prop bets, like whether or not Sam Darnold's going to bounce back with a two-touchdown game, who's going to throw for more passing yards, Sam Darnold or Magna Minshew. Will Tremaine Johnson get benched before halftime? Oh, man, I hope so. All kinds of prop bets you can bet on right now at mybookie.ag. Just use the promo code overtime to get your first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag, you play, you win, and you get paid. And if you're gambling on the Jets, you may even want to make a road trip down to Jacksonville to watch this game. I know it sounds crazy based on the way they played against the Patriots, but it is Jacksonville. It's going to be really nice sunny weather. So you may decide that you want to, on a whim, take a flight down there or take a long drive down there, whatever you're feeling. If you're going to do that, you want to make sure that you get decent tickets because who wants to go all the way to Jacksonville and then sit all the way up in the upper deck? And if you want to get good tickets for a reasonable price, make sure you download the Vivid Seats mobile app right now because if you do that and use the promo code OVERTIME, you can get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. Plus, every purchase you make is backed by 100% buyer guarantee and you'll automatically get enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Plus, even if you don't want to use your discount on the Jets and Jaguars this weekend, you can use it on a wide variety of different events. You can go to a basketball game since it's officially basketball season again now. You can go to a concert. You can go to a wrestling show. Go see one of your favorite comedians at a big arena. Whatever it is you want to do, you'll never miss out on an opportunity to do it 
if you have the Vivid Seats mobile app. Just head over there right now. Use the promo code OVERTIME on your very first purchase to get up to 100 bucks off. Now, like I said, I want to talk about the offensive line. And Manish, since you brought up Kelvin Beecham, whether or not he plays, is there a chance we could see a change or two on the offensive line involving perhaps Jonathan Harrison and Ryan Khalil? I know Khalil was banged up a little bit in that Monday night game, but he did another poor performance. At some point, are the Jets going to switch horses there and throw in Harrison? Because I know that they've been selling the fact that they think that Khalil has been better than most people believe, but I think that that's cover for the fact that Khalil's look bad and they're trying not to throw him under the bus. Any possibility that healthy or not, we get to see Jonathan Harrison over Ryan Khalil? At some point, yes. Uh, he Now, Khalil, as you said, isn't healthy, and he's another guy. God, the Jets have so many guys injured, I keep forgetting starters. So, yeah, Khalil's <laughs> another guy who is, is dealing with not only a shoulder injury that he suffered in practice a week ago, but he did hurt his elbow and missed some time, uh, ultimately came back on Monday night. Uh, there's a chance he, you know, he might not practice uh, a day or two. But, uh, yeah, I, I certainly think that that's a possibility in terms of a change in the middle. At some point, uh, you know, they could always use the fact that he's not fully healthy if they wanted to make a change this week. It, there just hasn't been a, a good formula yet. Uh, they've had three different starting lineups along the offensive line in the first six games. That's never good. Some of that is predicated on injury. Some of that is a result of ineffective play. Brandon Shell you know, was benched because of ineffective play and only – got reinserted because of the injury to Kelvin Beecham on the other side. It hasn't been good. Uh, it, you know, it, it, and I don't think there's an elixir out there. Uh, you, you had mentioned the team covering for Ryan Khalil. I don't think that Khalil has played particularly well. I don't think there's people in that locker room who think that Khalil has played particularly well. Uh, I, I don't want to scapegoat him and, and say that he is the, the, the reason why the offensive line hasn't performed because there are other guys along that line who have had their issues. I think it's been a, a collective effort. Uh, the, the line hasn't been good enough because of uh, myriad reasons, not because of just Ryan Khalil. But Ryan Khalil has certainly not helped out matters. And look, they gave him $8 million bucks. Uh, they gave it a shot. Uh, I give Joe, Cre- Joe Douglas credit for, for trying to you know, lure a Pro Bowl caliber player out of retirement to help his young quarterback. You know, on paper, that made a lot of sense. But to this point, it hasn't worked out. And I don't think you can just keep trotting him out there if you're not satisfied with his play because he gave him $8 million and because he's a former Pro Bowl player. If he's not producing uh, at this point, and we're talking about almost two months into the season, then I think you've got to make a change. I know that Adam Gase liked uh, Jonathan Harrison all offseason, felt confident in him to be their starting center. So I'm not sure it'd be that much of a dip, as strange as that sounds, because we're talking about a multi-Pro Bowler in, in Ryan Khalil, but that was... That was then. That was the past. That's not 2019. And, uh, you know, I think if you're honest with yourself, you can't say that Ryan Khalil has played at a a good level to this point. Khalil was a late add to the roster, and so was Bilal Powell, who they brought back unexpectedly. He and Ty Montgomery were used against the Cowboys, and it looked like the Jets were going to start doing more of that, and then they didn't against the Patriots. Any chance we see more of them against the Jaguars on Sunday? We should. Uh, I'm with you. I'm a little disappointed that uh, what we saw in that Dallas game uh, wasn't used in the Patriot game. Uh, Adam Gase, <laughs> I'm sure, has his reasons for for uh, why he decided to put those guys on ice, uh, by and large, uh, against New England. But you know, I, I always believe that 
the best way to attack any team is to be diverse and to use your weapons, quote-unquote weapons, in small packages, uh, to use them uh, to their strength. You see Greg Williams do that all the time. You see him do that week in and week out. Guys will have specific packages uh, to to help this defense. It doesn't always work, but I like that mindset. I like that mentality. Rex Ryan used that mentality throughout his career. It keeps players engaged during the week, knowing that they're going to have some role, even if it's a small role, every game. Uh, I, I don't really know what uh, Adam Gase is doing with Ty Montgomery. I, I really don't. It's, it runs completely contrary to what we saw and what we heard all off season about this player's skill set. It's a unique skill set in that uh, he came into the league as a wide receiver, has experience playing wide receiver and running back. You could use so many different uh, packages where you would have Ty Montgomery and Le'Veon Bell on the field together. That, to me, makes the Jet offense better, especially while Chris Herndon was out. That was the perfect window to get Montgomery and Bell on the field together, and we just haven't seen it uh, from Adam Gase. I think that's a failure, frankly, on Adam Gase's part. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. You know, part of the reason I disagree with it is not because, not only because of what I see in the player and the skill set and how potentially that could beef up the offense, but also because of what Adam Gase has said publicly. If you come out and support a player and his skill set and what he can do for your offense, you know, as a reporter, as a fan, all you can really do is take the coach's word, at, you know, and say, look, I, I believe this guy. He, he's saying this, this, this player can help him out. Uh, by doing A, B, and C, but then when the bullets are flying for real and the games matter, you don't see that. I, I don't. Then why say it? You know, I don't quite understand Adam Gates in that respect. He says a lot of things about a lot of different players, but it never actually uh, kind of comes to fruition on the field. Uh, it's it's kind of puzzling. If it's puzzling for me, uh, I imagine it's puzzling for the players. I can only imagine what Ty Montgomery thinks when he hears his coach say all of these glowing things about him and how he can be used in this offense all summer and all spring. But then when the fall rolls around, he's not really a part of the plan. So I, I don't quite understand Adam Gase in that respect. Uh, I, I don't understand what, what the end game is there. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to say something, I think you, you should follow through. And uh, you know, too many times Adam Gase has not done that. I was confused by Gase's game plan on Monday night, and that was certainly one of the things that I was expecting to see that I did not. Ty Montgomery and Bilal Powell being used more. We'll see if Gase chooses to insert them into the lineup and try to use them more against Jacksonville on Sunday. And to that end, Manish, that game is going to be pivotal here because I think that this could be the game that if the Jets lose, it could start that downward spiral and Gase could start to lose the locker room, especially if Gase throws players under the bus. We've seen him do that here and there. It hasn't to this point led to any kind of locker room mutiny, but down the line, if this continues, it could. So it's really important for Adam Gase and the Jets to get a victory on Sunday against the Jaguars. What do you think we should look for in this game? What should we expect to see, and what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think Greg Williams is going to dial up a lot of confusion for Gardner Minshew. He is a rookie six-round pick. Uh, I know that people who follow the Jets believe that six-round picks who don't have a pedigree, can't win football games at quarterback. <laughs> However, the Jaguars have uh, disproven that. They've been competitive and have won games with a, a player with not much experience. Uh, you know, So credit their offensive coordinator, John DiFilippo, for that. 
But, uh, you know, Greg Williams' defense is going to have to win this game, uh, I think. And I think they, they can, because I think they, they, they theoretically can confuse Gardner Minshew. Uh, they have to stop Leonard Fournette. I mean, their offense does run through Fournette. The Jets have done a pretty good job prior to the Monday night game in stopping the run. Uh, if they can, if they can make Minshew beat them, I don't think that Jacksonville will win. I, I think that the, the Jets, you know, if they stop Fournette, uh, I think they'll win the game. Uh, offensively, I think they'll be able to move the ball. Uh, you know, I, I'm not promising a, a 30 point outburst, but uh, I certainly think they'll be much closer to the offense we saw against the Cowboys than the offense that we saw against the, the Patriots. Uh, Seeing, of course, is believing. You know, I'm a believer in Sam Darnold, first and foremost, so that's why I think that this offense will do enough. Uh, but Adam Gase, uh, you know, I, I hate saying a must-win because it's not really a must-win. Uh, they're not making the playoffs whether they win or not. But uh, as you said, you know, from a locker room morale standpoint, if they come back from Jacksonville 1-6, and six, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, difficult. Even though the schedule lights up on paper, it's going to be difficult this locker room to to fully believe that they have the right head coach in there. This is going to be an interesting contrast in terms of head coach personalities and quarterback personalities because we know that Adam Gase can be kind of fiery, whereas Doug Marone is much more stoic. And the same goes in reverse for the quarterbacks because we know that Sam Darnold is very quiet, lets everything sort of roll off his shoulders, and Gardner Minshew is a little bit more flamboyant. I do enjoy the fact that in the year 2019, there's a quarterback in the NFL who looks like Tom Selleck as Magnum P.I., so (laughs) we'll have fun watching that, if nothing else, Manish, but you're right. I think Greg Williams has got to dial up some blitzes and try to confuse Magnum Minshew, and I do think that Adam Gase has got to get things going in the right direction for Sam Darnold, because if the Jets are going to be able to keep the locker room intact and keep this from spiraling out of control... They're not only going to have to win, but Sam Darnold is going to have to get back on track. Also for his own psyche, because I know that Darnold is somebody that is known for being able to let things go and not dwell on the past. But if he has another bad game against Jacksonville the way he did against the Patriots, the questions are going to start coming hard and fast about him. And some of the people that were big believers in him are going to start questioning their own judgment. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right. Uh, I also think that if Darnold does struggle moving forward, there's going to be questions about whether the Jets made the right hire mm-hmm. in Adam Gates. Mm-hmm. Because if Sam Darnold is regressing under Adam Gates, then uh, yeah, I think we've got a whole big mess on our hands. All that being said, I don't think, as I said earlier, I don't think this is going to be some kind of death knell for Darnold. Uh, he's too good of a player. Uh, he's going to be a good player regardless of who the head coach is. Uh, however, the head coach it can help him get to the next level and perhaps get him to an elite level. That's why Adam Gates was hired, and we'll see if he can he can deliver on that promise. In terms of this game on Sunday, if the Jaguars are winning late, I'm going to be really curious to see if Doug Marone tries what he did last year in Jacksonville when he went for a two-point conversion to rub it in when the game was over. Uh, that might add a little bit of drama to this game as well. Believe it or not, Manish, there are people that believe that he did that as a shot at you, not as a shot at the Jets. So who knows? If you're in attendance, maybe he's <laughs> going to look to spike the football on you. I don't know. <laughs> I think he was uh, he was really upset with the Johnsons. Uh, I'll put it that way. I don't necessarily believe it was about anything other than 
uh, the fact that he believed he had the job and he was led to believe by ownership that he had the job. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm not sure that I'm going over his house anytime too soon <laughs> for dinner, but I don't believe that that was true. Certainly a reason that he would be upset if he believed that he had the job and he believes that the Johnsons screwed him out of that job. But we'll see if he's able to stick it to them once again this Sunday when the Jets visit the Jacksonville Jaguars. Manish, thanks again for joining me as always. Always a treat to have you on in the middle of the week. What have you got going on right now over at the Daily News? I guess I'm going to examine two things. Uh, one, uh, I'd like to find out why Adam Gates believes that Jets fans should believe in him moving forward. And uh, I guess the larger question is, uh, you know, is this bad luck or is this a, a bad team that we're talking about this year? Go ahead and follow Manish on Twitter at MMetaNYDN. Read his work in the New York Daily News. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.